what we're going to do, we, we left off uh, on last week uh, on this fourth item on your, on your list. We've been working our way through these individually, unpacking them. But we talked about impartation. So if you will, go with me. Let's go to uh, the gospel according to St. John, chapter number 20. Uh, and we're going to begin our reading at verse number 19. St. John's chapter number 20. And we're going to begin our reading at verse number 19. How many of y'all are glad to be in church today? Glory to God. It's good to be in. And thank God for those who are, who are checking in with us via live stream. Had a few minor technical difficulties there, but, but hang with us. Amen. Uh, the Holy Spirit is going to do what he needs to do. And I know that the enemy tries to interrupt God's word because he doesn't want it to go forward. Amen. All right. So St. John, the 20th chapter, the gospel according to St. John, verse number 19. Uh, let's read together. It says, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were what? Can we put it into modern day vernacular in 2022? They said they were scared. <laughs> All right. They were, they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. The next verse says, as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. The text says this again. He said, peace be with you as the father has sent me. So I am sending you. Next verse says what? Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. 23 and 24. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. 24. Uh, one of the 12 uh, disciples, Thomas, named the tw- nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. 25 says this. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers in them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Next verse says what? Uh, Eight days later, the disciples were together again. At this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Next verse says, well, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the womb in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. All right, we're going to stop our reading there. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Believe. Now, again, we've been picking on and unpacking this subject, unity. I need you. And we've been talking about the fact that Jesus When you examine his life, when you see how he interfaced and interacted with the disciples, he was giving us a model for what authentic community looks like. I would I would submit to you and and you could debate me on this if you want to. But I think I would win this. The overwhelming majority of Christians believe Christian believers don't truly understand what authentic community is all about. We, we could argue about it. We, we could have a debate about it. But I, would, I, I think if, if we were to poll the audience right now, and I was, if, if I were to ask you, how many of y'all consider yourself to be operating in authentic community with another believer who's not your family member? I think we have a few smattering of hands that would go up. But the overwhelming majority of us, I think, would, would have to say we're not there yet and we're trying to get there. So Jesus gives us an example because Jesus spent time with these boys. He was pouring into them just like we are called upon to pour into each other. Are you with me today? And, I, and, and, and again, we, we talked about the fact that uh, we, Jesus developed, what Jesus developed with his disciples is embodied in the word community. And when I say community, that means doing life together, living in community with Jesus. The disciples followed his teachings and his example. And we gave you some things uh, uh, that we said that his pattern for doing this was, number one, he selected a group, okay? He selected, and we're not going to go repeat these, but selection, association, consecration, and we left off on last week talking about impartation. He gave himself away. uh, He gave himself away to his disciples, giving all that he had, withholding nothing, not even his own life. Now, again, I defined impartation to you on last week, and it says the word, it comes from the root word impart, which means to give away, to convey, or to grant something. 
impartation is the act of giving or granting something. And I gave you, I said that in the Bible we see where uh, spiritual gifts were imparted. We talked about the fact that wisdom is imparted. We said that the message of the gospel is imparted. Also, those four things we talked about, okay? And so it's important for us to, uh, to, to, to come to a point to where we, we understand that we have a role to play in the, in the promoting of gospel truth throughout this world. And we, and we talked about material goods. The fourth one was material goods are imparted. And that's where we kind of left off of uh, in that particular situation. Now, let's go back to verses 19 through 21. I want to pick on this for a little bit, and then we're going to move down and see if we can, how many of these we can cover today, okay? Now, I want you to notice something here. The text says that Sunday evening the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And suddenly Jesus was standing there among them, peace be with you. And if you read down to verse 21, he says, peace be with you again. Now, again, he said, peace be with you twice in the span of two verses. Now, when I look at this, uh, I believe for the first time he said to, to he said, peace be with you. I, you know, I think it was to calm them down. Now, if you're sitting somewhere, have y'all ever been sitting somewhere and had somebody sneak up on you? Anybody? And startle you and scare you. Now, can you imagine? Here, these boys are behind locked doors because they, you know, their their savior, the one who they were following, uh, the time that he was doing his public ministry down here on earth, had been crucified on the cross of Calvary, and now their leader, the one who they were following, was no longer with them physically, and so they are afraid of what's getting ready to happen to them at this point in time. So they're they're cowering in fear, the Bible says, afraid of the Jewish leaders. And then all of a sudden, bam, while they're there behind locked doors, Jesus appeared. Now, y'all looking at me right now, but uh, if if that were to happen to maybe one of your loved ones that that, that had gone on to be with the Lord, and all of a sudden they appeared right here, now you you would be glad to see them, but you'd be scared. Oh, don't look at me like that. Especially if they appear right on your shoulder. You go, Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And so the second time in verse number 21 says, and again he said, peace with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. The second time he said it because I believe he, he said it this time because he was sending them forth to carry the gospel message throughout the world and they were going to face intense persecution and opposition from the Jewish religious establishment, but also from society as a whole. So now he's saying, I'm giving you an assignment to take my message throughout the world. And Jesus knows that they're going to need some peace as they do this, some inward peace, because they're going to face opposition. Let me, let me clue you into something in case you have not recognized this in your own life. Guys, whenever God gives us an assignment, when he gives us an assignment and we begin to be obedient in the assignment that he's given us, the enemy gets busy trying to disrupt us from following the assignment that God gave us. Have you all discovered it in your own life? Now, if if you're the type Christian who's just doing you, you hear the word preach, but you don't really, you know, you kind of hear it and you say, oh, that's a good message. And you keep on doing life the way you've always done life. Guys, let me tell you something. The devil is really not too much concerned about you. Because he knows when you hear Pastor Adams preach a word, you're going to ignore half of it. He knows when, when, when you hear that word and if it's not in your comfort zone, you're not going to do it. You're going to say, well, no, that, that's not for me. So why bother spending time and resources on a Christian who's not going to be obedient to God's word. As a matter of fact, if you really want to know the truth, a a Christian who's not obedient to God's word can be utilized by Satan to, 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 to tear down what God is trying to build up. Are y'all tracking with me today? So he says, peace be with you. They were hiding behind locked doors. uh, Yet Jesus gave them peace. Their situation hadn't changed. 
the Jewish leaders were still going to oppose them as they went forth preaching the gospel. But Jesus can give you peace in the midst of the most troublesome situation that you find yourself operating in. I want you to turn with me to Philippians, the fourth chapter with right quick. Philippians chapter four. Uh, and we're going to begin our reading at verse number 16. Because the Bible said that in, in, that, in that passage right there that we just read, it says, as, as Jesus spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Yet Jesus says, peace be with you. Now, you would think that if you're filled with joy, that you'd be operating in peace, wouldn't you? All right. But he knew what was coming. And Jesus knew what was coming in their lives. So he said, peace be with you. Now, notice something in Paul's letter to the saints at Philippi. And we're going to begin our reading at verse number six there. Philippians four, verse number six. Glory to God. It says this. Don't worry about Oh, I need you to read it out loud with me. It says what? Don't worry about anything. Instead, do what? Let's read it one more time. Come on, out loud. Now, I got to ask you something. You that understand the English language, there is an understood you in front of don't. Is that correct? You don't have to write you there, but the English language let us know that there's a you that's understood to be. It says, so you don't worry about anything. Now I got you a question. How many of you find yourself worrying sometimes? How many believers worry or fret over things? Fretting, worrying, fretting, worrying, can't sleep at night, blood pressure's high. All those things, the body is responding to stressful attitudes and, and this type of thing. And, but yet the Bible says here, as the Apostle Paul writes, he says, don't worry about anything. So guess what? If I find myself as a Christian and it happens, it can happen to the to, to best of us. Amen. He says, don't worry about anything. So if I'm worrying, that means that I am operating in disobedience or in opposition to what God told me not to do. Can we read it again? Don't worry about anything. Instead, what? Now, can we be honest? How many of y'all will, will be honest with me and tell, you, and tell me that there were some times where you didn't pray about certain things. You just worried. You didn't. Prayer was not the first thing you did. As a matter of fact, you did like some people say, well, after all, after we've done everything else, let's pray. Baby, let me tell you something. Prayer should not be the last thing on your agenda. It should be the first thing that you do. Pray without ceasing, the Bible says. Pray without an interruption. We should be constantly have a mindset of prayer. Now, that don't mean you go around every day walking around at work just praying out loud or praying to yourself. You got Praying means having a consistent lifestyle or pattern of prayer. Because God gave us that tool to interface with him. Don't worry about anything. Instead, do what? Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and do what? Thank him for all. Thank him for what? All he has done. Although the disciples in your, yours and my circumstances... Uh, may be uh, unstable. Any of y'all have been in an unstable situation before? Maybe your circumstance is messed up. Can I describe it that way? How many of y'all have some messed up circumstances before? Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe you want to describe it as, as my situation was jacked up, Pastor. How many of y'all know what jacked up means? How many of y'all situation was tore up from the floor up? I need a witness who can say, Pastor, you know, I've been there. If, 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 whether it's messed up, whether it's jacked up, whether it's discombobulated. How many of y'all had some discombobulation before? I'm going to come to somebody's house sooner or later. Uh, how many of y'all had some uncertain situations before? How many of y'all had some sketchy situations before? Because you were around sketchy people. How many of y'all have had uh, 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 
uh, whatever it may be, however you want to describe it, the disciples were in a situation where the, the, the religious establishment was coming against them, uh, hunting them down, uh, uh, throwing them in jail, even persecuting and, and, and crucifying them, doing all kinds of things to them. Yet Jesus says what? Peace be with you. Don't worry about anything, Paul says. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Now, listen to the next verse. And and we got to get this into our spirit because I I said this other day, and Maria and I were talking. At this season in life, I refuse to allow the enemy to disrupt my peace. I just refuse. Now, guys, guess what? If I'm being obedient to the scripture, he's going he's gonna to try. He's going to come at you with both barrels loaded. And both barrels loaded is an is a old reference to a, y'all ever heard of a double barrel shotgun? Anybody know what a double barrel shotgun is? Both barrels are loaded. He's coming to try to take you out. But Jesus says, peace be with you. He says, he says now if you do this, let's go back to verse number six and then we go, Pop to verse number seven. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Thank him for all he's done. Now, the next verse says what? Then you will experience. Stop. There's, then means that there's a qualification there. There is something that I must do in order to experience God's peace. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. So my question to you today is, when you face things in life, how fervent is your prayer life? When you you face these these sketchy, uncertain, discombobulated discombobulated situations, do do you go to God in prayer first? Or do you find yourself or let yourself begin to worry? Now, guys, listen to me. When I say this, there are some things that will happen in your life that will cause you angst and heartache. Because the Bible says it rains on the just as well as the unjust. So because I'm saved does not mean that I am immune from the attack of the enemy and that I'm immune from it raining on me too. But yet and still... He says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And then he says, when you do that, then you will experience God's peace. What does God's peace do? Which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will do what? His peace will guard your heart and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. How many of y'all need some heart gardening, some mind garden right about now? In other words, because guys, there's a passage that, that, that I, I love to quote it. Uh, and uh, it, it says this. It says, bring every fault into captivity. This is KJV. Unto the obedience of Christ. What that tells me is, is every thought that I have is not a God-honoring thought. Every thought that comes to my mind is not a God-honoring thought. Let me ask you all a question. How many of y'all, if you'll be honest with me today and, 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 and just be dead level honest and just shame the devil, how many of y'all had a, 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 a thought maybe this weekend that was not God-honoring? Oh, come on, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Some of y'all went into one of these retail establishments and, and because you didn't get the type of service that you are accustomed to, you had an attitude and a thought that came to your mind that was not God-honoring. And you acted in a way that was not God-honoring. And God says, you got to learn to bring every thought into captivity. In other words, when something comes my way, when there's a thought that comes your way, say, you know, Pastor Adams, I don't, I'm tired of listening. I'm going to get up and leave out of church today. That thought came to your mind. So what I'm going to tell you to do is, is go capture that thought with the word of God. Put the word on the thought and capture it. The Bible says bring every thought into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. 
That means that when I have a thought, I need to filter it through the prism of the word. Whatever thought I have, I got I got to give it due diligence and say, does that line up with what, I, what I've been taught in my in my in my Sunday morning worship experience? Does it line up with what I've been taught in the various uh, 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 Bible studies that we've done? At, does it line up with what the Apostle Paul told the church at, at Philippi when he was sharing with them about uh, don't worry about anything but pray about everything? Am I actually praying about this or am I spending all my time worrying about it? You got to ask yourself the question because every thought that comes is not of God. I don't care how long you've been saved. You can speak in other tongues. You can dance around the church. You can be baptized 19 times if you want to. But every thought that comes to your mind does not line up with Scripture. Because the enemy is steady sending stuff your way to try to disrupt your peace and to get you off of the course that God has called you to walk in. Because, guys, if we're going to develop authentic community, we've got to be people of the book. We've got to be people of faith, people who are walking according to God's word. And when thoughts come that don't line up, I've got to bring them into captivity. He says, then when, you, when, you, when you don't worry and you pray about everything, then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. People won't understand why you're not wigging out. They won't understand why you're not tripping. They won't understand why you're not angry and, and, and want to shoot somebody. They, they can't understand that when the peace of God is pervasive in your life, he settles you. Okay? And I don't know about you, but I, I, I need the peace of God abiding in my life. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you do what? As you, as you live in Christ Jesus, as you live in Christ, as you live in Christ, as you are doing the will of God, living in Christ Jesus is, 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 is paramount uh, for us as believers. Now, look at this next verse. Watch this, because this is critical to us being able to not worry. And now, dear brothers and sisters, who's Paul talking to? He's talking to the church. He's talking to born again believers. Dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. What does he say? Fix your thoughts. All right, now watch this. If he says fix your thoughts on what is true, then that means that we have a part to play in what kind of thoughts settle into our mind. Right? Because if he told me to fix my thoughts on what is true, and if I can't do that, if I'm helpless to do that, then God is an unjust God because he's asking me to do something that I'm incapable of doing. Right? I've heard people say, well, your brother passed, you know, I just can't help what come to my mind. Well, maybe you can't help what initially comes to your mind, but you can help what stays and what percolates in your mind. And part of of being able to, to capture thoughts is, first of all, putting your mind on other things, the word of God being primary, and watching what you watch and, and being careful what you listen to. I'm going to say this, and, and you all need to hear me real, real carefully. Stop binge-watching 24-hour cable news. Are y'all listening? Somebody ought to say amen to that. Stop binge-watching them because they say the same stuff over and over again in the loop. And then with cable news, the, you know, the, the negativity, and it will be different if they just reported the news. But we're in a day and age now where they're trying to slant the opinions of those who are listening to the news rather than reporting what happened and who was involved with what happened. Are y'all with me today? So if you sit and watch Fox News all day, CNN all day, MSNBC all day, you're going to become out a very negative and a very uh, uh, just all bottled up type person. Here's what I would encourage you to do. The time that you're spending, and I'm not saying it's, not, it's wrong to keep up what's going on, but, but, but when you sit there and watch and digest all of this negativity that's been reported, it has an impact on you. So wouldn't it be better that time that you say you don't have? Wouldn't it be better to spend that time 
in the word of God, studying to show thyself approved unto God, a workman who needeth not be ashamed, but who can rightly divide the word of truth. I promise you, when you spend more time in word, you'll be a more positive person. So look at what it says. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you something. There is something about all of our flesh that likes to hear juicy gossip on somebody else. Okay, all right. Let me prove it to you right quick. All right, if there was something, especially if it's somebody who you know, somebody in the public eye, uh, and, and let me tell you something, as a Christian, you are in the public eye. If you're walking with Jesus, if you're doing what's right, trust me, your coworkers are watching you. Your family members are watching you because they want to know if what you're talking about is real. They want to know if what you're saying to them is actually what you're living out. So they are watching you. So if you heard, heard, if you heard, not that you witnessed, not, not that you were there in the room, but you heard. Let us say you heard a rumor about Jerry Blake. And you heard that Jerry... Uh, visits a, a house on the south side of Shreveport every other week. And his car has purported to have been there in the midnight hour. When Jerry was supposed to be out of town in Dallas, that's what he told Bev. <laughs> Am I getting close to home? No, 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 Jerry, I'm not, I, I, I'm not picking, please, Beverly, don't, Beverly, I have not heard, Beverly says, <laughs> but I'm trying to paint a picture for you. See, as believers, what would you do had you heard that? The average believer, rather than, let's say it was a credible witness. The average believer who's in covenant, authentic community with Brother Jerry would go to Brother Jerry and say, Brother Jerry, I just, man, I, listen, I just want to, I'm going to come to you because there's a concern, and, and maybe you can explain this to me. I'm coming to you as, as your brother because, you know, we, we got authentic community. We, 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 we're doing life together such that I can come to Jerry and talk to him about what I see, and he can come to me and talk to me about what he sees. See, most of y'all don't have anybody like that because most of y'all will get upset with somebody who's showing concern about your spiritual development. So I should be able to go to Brother Jerry and say, Brother Jerry, listen, man, I I, want to come to you now, uh, and I need you to be honest with me. Look me in the eye, brother. Don't look around. Look me in the eye. Let's let's talk a little bit. Man, you know, I I know because I I talked to Bev, and she told me you were in Dallas uh, this past Friday night, but I saw you... uh, on the south side of Shreveport uh, at Sister Smith's house. Sister Smith is a single lady. Single lady, single lady. (laughs) Sister Smith is fine and curvaceous. And Sister Smith is known for having a a, a seductress spirit that operates on her. So Jerry, can you, can you just, just Jerry? Just t- I know it was you because you got a personality license plate, and I know it's got Jerry one on there. <laughs> so you can't tell me it wasn't you, Jerry. I know it was you. So brother, let's let's be honest with each other. Come on, let's let's talk. All right, now, the average Christian would just pass by this. Mm-mm. Then they go home and. You ain't about to pick up the phone, but you just texting. Guess who I saw over seductress Sister Smith's house? 
Now, mind you, maybe with Bev's permission, Jerry has loaned Sister Smith his car because hers was in the shop and Bev took it over there and dropped it off there. But I didn't ask any questions. I wasn't concerned enough to go to him like a man would go to another Christian man and say, hey, man, let's talk about this thing. I, you, you went home and start text gossiping. So we, when we're, when we're, what's my point? When we're in authentic community, I learned to fix my thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. That does not mean that when it's time to, to deal with something or deal with an issue that we don't deal with it, but our minds ought to be focused on things above and not on things on this earth. Living in such a way that, 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 that we keep our thoughts in our minds pure, okay? So when we do it, it says, it says so fix your thoughts on what you So fix it means that I, I have to take pains and I have to take uh, great care to make sure I guard what comes into my eye gate and I got to guard what comes into my ear gate. Every song that's out there, no matter how popular it is, you may not need to be listening to it. Because music has a way of, 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 of changing our moods. Can I get a witness? All right. Let me give you a case in point. Last Valentine's Day, when you were with your spouse, did you play uh, did you play, did you have playing in the background uh um, Amazing Grace? Or did you have some classic Marvin Gaye? Let's get it on. Ah, baby. Now, for those of you who are younger who don't who don't understand old R and B, just 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 you know, just Marvin had a song there. That, that would tickulate your fancy. I mean, there's all kinds of songs out there. My point is, guys, what you listen to and what you see television-wise and what you listen to music-wise has impact on, new think- on your thinking. So fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and, and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And as we do this, guys, we position our minds to think about things that, that are pure and that are right. The father, guys, when we look back at John, the 20th chapter, the father has sent the son on a kingdom mission to atone for the sins of the world so that all who believe would receive eternal life. That's why Jesus came. Now, the son was sending his disciples at this point to a kingdom mission to proclaim that message and make other disciples Throughout the world, you know, you know the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Our job is to become disciple makers, not just get church members. And I will tell you, as I've said before, this church and every other church has great room for improvement in the disciple making process. We got to get better at helping make disciples. And making disciples does not come into fruition until we learn how to do authentic community better. Are you with me today? Because in order for me to go to Jerry, like I was just illustrating to you a while ago, I have had to spend time and build a relationship with Jerry. Otherwise, Jerry would have got offended by me having a concern that was an illegitimate concern. But yet still, I, I would have came to Jerry because I got relationship with him. Am I making sense to you today? All right, so let's, let's get back, if you will. Go, go back to John, the 20th chapter. And look at verses 22 through 23. Hallelujah. So impartation. Jesus gave himself away to his disciples, giving all that he had, withholding nothing, not even his own life. He gave himself. Look, look, look at what the text says. Verse 22. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Next verse, let's read. It says, uh, if you forgive anyone's sins... They are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Next verse. He says, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with 
with the others when Jesus came. Now, now let's stop right here. Let's, back, let's back, back up to verse number 23 right quick. Most interpreters recognize this incident here as, as what they call it an, an anticipatory act. Jesus is saying, receive the Holy Spirit because he's already t- he's going to tell them, uh, go and wait or tarry in Jerusalem until you until you be endued with power from on high. OK, but most of them, most most interpreters will say that this is an anticipatory act. The Holy Spirit will come to dwell within the apostles on the day of Pentecost. You see that in Acts, the second chapter, the Holy Spirit will empower them to accomplish the mission on which Jesus was sending them here. Jesus was visibly, visibly and physically preparing them for what was spiritually to come. They would be granted kingdom authority. Everybody say kingdom authority. I told you before, Jesus talked an awful lot about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And I, I like Dr. Tony Evans' definition of kingdom agenda. He says it's the visible demonstration of the comprehensive rule of God in every area of your life. Visible. Everybody say visible. See, if if Jesus uh, is having comprehensive rule in every area of your life, it's going to show up. It's going to be visible to those who are in relationship with you. If 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 Jesus has kingdom control over your finances, it's going to show up in your giving. If Jesus has visible demonstration in your marital relationship, it's going to show up in how husband and wife get along and treat one another. Can I get a witness out there? If, 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 if there's a visible demonstration of the comprehensive rule of God in how you do church, it's going to show up in the way that you do church. I don't even like the term do church. A become who becoming the church that God has ordained for us to be. When, when kingdom agenda is operating, when kingdom agenda is operating, it will be seen by those who are in relationship with us. So my question here today is, when people look at you, what do they see? Do they see the visible demonstration of God's comprehensive rule in your marriage, in how you handle your finances, in how you work on your job? Do you not realize that God says whatsoever you do, do it heartily as in the Lord, and that includes how you work? Can people at work, if I were to go to your place of employment and begin to, to, to ask people questions about you, would they describe you as a Christian man or a Christian woman who lives out the principle of God's word even here at work? Or would they tell me you're lazy, you don't show up on time, you leave early? Would they tell me that they have to always kind of find you uh, or, or, and, and get you to do stuff? Or that you're a negative, you're a gossiper? Would they tell me all that? See, when, when you're operating under kingdom authority, it shows up in your lifestyle. It shows up in how you live. And what Jesus is saying to us today is, he says, listen, I've empowered you and, and, and I'm giving you the, the Holy Spirit so that you can be empowered to live this life. The Holy Spirit would enable them to authoritatively declare that God had indeed forgiven the sins of anyone who believes in Jesus. Now, skip down to 24 and 25. Let's look at Thomas right quick, okay? Cause I, 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 I want to say something about Thomas, right? Because Thomas, I think, has gotten a bad rap. I mean, true enough, the text says this, but I want you to look at another instance in Scripture and see what Thomas does. Look at, look at 24 and 25. The text says, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. Next verse, let's read. They told him, we have seen the Lord. Now remind, remind me, get context here. Jesus had been crucified. Disciples were running scared. They were hiding behind locked doors. And Jesus had came and appeared before him, and there was joy in the room. But Thomas wasn't there. And they, they, they told Thomas about what had happened. And Thomas said, I ain't going to believe that unless I see the nail wound in his hand, put my fingers in them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. That's what Thomas said. Now, guys, when this, he refused to believe unless he could, he could actually see it. I told you about the Thomas kind of faith a couple of weeks ago. 
That's why he's still known today. Now think about this for today. Think about this. He's known as, or anybody who doubts is known as what? A doubting Thomas. Now can you imagine you being defined by one big mess up that you've made since you started following Jesus? You, you told a lie to the group that you were in, 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 uh, in covenant relationship with, and they, 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 they found out about that lie that you told 10 years ago, and you're still long, known as Lion Tom. 30 years later, you, you, you're Lion Dwayne. 20 years later, here we are, a thousand years later, calling Doubting Thomas. That Guys, go to John 11. Let me show you something right quick. Can I show you something right quick? He's still known as Doubting Thomas. But I will submit to you, it, it, it's not, this is not really a fair uh, uh, characterization of this guy. Because previously we're going to see that Thomas was prepared to go into hostile territory with the Lord Jesus Christ. John 11, chapter verse 7 through 16. Come on. John 11, chapter verse 7 through 16. How would you want to be known? Would you would you want to be known for your biggest mess up as a Christian? No, you wouldn't. God is the redemptive power of the blood has cleaned you up. The redemptive power of the blood has changed your mind, and now everybody's still calling you Horn and Sally. Why did y'all say, ooh, y'all, whore is in the Bible. I figured I'd wake some of y'all up. Some of y'all like y'all were going to sleep, you woke up. But think about this, guys. We do this as Christians and, and, and with us, though, we don't want it to be done with us because we messed up, we repented, and we, we, we plead the blood of Jesus. And, and the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, and he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we bask in that forgiveness and the redemptive power of the blood. But if we're with somebody else, 25 years later, they go whore and salad. And true enough, 25 years ago, Sally was hoarding around, but now Sally got saved, got filled with the Holy Ghost. She's walking with Jesus now. And she and she's not running around. She got a faithful husband that she's faithful to, faithful to, and she's doing the work of God, but you still talking about they go hoarding Sally. Watch this right quick. Because I need you to understand something. Even as a believer who's standing in faith right now and walking strong, you could mess up. On this journey, the Bible says this finally, he said to the disciples, let's go back to Judea. But the disciples of Dekka, Rabbi, now they're talking about Jesus. Now. They said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? That'd be some of y'all. Watch what the text says. Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. Let's keep going, guys. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. <laughs> Praise be to God. Let's keep reading. Let's go. The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he'll soon get better. <laughs> they ain't want to <laughs> Listen to these cats. Now, now he's, he, Jesus is ready to go back to a place where they want to kill him. And the disciples are like, well, I don't want to go back there, Jesus. They thought, they thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. See, those who sleep in Jesus, Patty, will God bring with him? And your daughter, yes, yeah, will bring with him. Watch. Others, I mean, those others who have loved ones who who gone on to be the Lord, he will bring with them. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. They thought he was talking about just sleeping. After your, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Huh? Come, let's go, let's go, let's go see him. Now watch this, watch this. Look, look at this next verse. Thomas, 
nicknamed the same dude in the 20 chapters. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. Look at this. This Thomas says, let's go to and die with Jesus. Because they were, they were saying if Jesus go back, those folks who want to kill him, go get him, they go kill him, and we'll die with him, standing up for the gospel truth. And the very same Thomas, over the 20th chapter, <laughs> didn't believe that Jesus had resurrected. He, he would only believe. Don't, he said, I'm not going to believe until I see him. So it's clear to me. What this tells me is that a believer can be spiritually strong at one moment and spiritually weak at another. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, sometimes you're strong and sometimes you may be weak. He was, he, he, you can be spiritually strong at one moment and spiritually weak the next moment. But just think about it for a second. I want you to sit there and I want you to, I want you to, I, I, you, don't, you don't look around, but think about one of your biggest mess ups. That you've had since you've been born again. That thing that nobody knows about. That thing that God graced you enough to cover you. He forgave you and he covered your stuff. And you're sitting here right now looking nice and pretty. But if everybody knew your stuff, they may be calling you a nickname. Thieve and Joe. There go Thieve and Joe. He stole from his company. Yeah, some of y'all could be in that thieving category too. Taking that ream of paper and it wasn't yours. Taking those pens and I'm going to take them to my children. Oh, they have enough of these. Oh, did, 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 did I offend you then? So could we start calling you thieving uh, Samantha? You took it without permission. My point is this. Every last one of us that's sitting in here has something that the Lord has forgiven us from and redeemed us from. And you better thank God that the blood washed away your sins. It's not an excuse to keep on sinning, guys. But what I'm telling you is we got to stop being so judgmental when another believer messes up. Instead of going, do what, listen, go, go, go to Galatians 6. I, I'm stopping after this. I want y'all to, listen, I want y'all to come to the 5 o'clock service at, at Brookwood today. I want us to show up in numbers so that we can, we, can, we, can, we can fellowship together and show the love of Christ and begin to show a picture. This is, this is, this, these are baby steps to showing the picture of, of the beautiful mosaic of, of Jew and Gentile coming together into one body, okay? So, so I'm going to stop on time today. Go to Galatians 6 and 1. Uh, do this for me. Uh, let, let's go to the King James Version of the Scripture in this. Galatians 6, verse number 1. What, what am I getting at? Many of us are hard on Thomas. But had you read about Thomas over in that 11th chapter when he says, let's go with Jesus and die with him. What would you have thought about him then? Would you call him doubting Thomas? Or would you call him fearless Thomas? Brethren! That lets you know he's talking to a born-again believer. Because you're black don't mean you're my brother. I've been saying that for 35 years or more. Brothering implies that we're in covenant relationship. So you can be white as a sheep and still be my brother. And you can be blackened and torn the road and not be my brother. Are y'all still tracking? The, 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 guys, I'm going to tell you something. I, 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 tr- I believe in trying to make stuff plain. So is that plain enough for you? Okay. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual... 
Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest I also be tempted. Lest you also be tempted and, and fall. That's what he's saying. So had, had that been the real Jerry at the place, how do I go to Jerry and help restore him when he falls? See, my attitude and my approach should not be one of indignation and, 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 and religious piousness. It should be one of love for a brother who I care for deeply and I don't want to see him fall and wallow in sin. I'm going to pick him up. So you which are spiritual. So some, some of y'all aren't ready to go and restore anybody. Because you're too judgmental. Restore, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Consider thyself lest I also be tempted. Verse 2, just for good measure, it says what? Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So if a brother falls, part of our responsibility as Christians, if, if we've been imparted with you know, Jesus Christ and his spirit, we should be operating in that in such a way that we're willing to go and help a brother who falls. He says overtaken in a fault. And that signifies, in the case of, it signifies a person who, who got caught up or swept up into something. It's not necessarily talking about what you ought to be able to do that too, but this is not necessarily talking about somebody who's just wallowing and saying, practice it and, and, and act like it's okay. And there are some Christians who are doing stuff that they think it's, or they're acting like it's okay when it's not okay. Sin is never okay. It stinks in the nostril of God. I don't care who's doing it. Sin separates us. Till we can't get, to, we can't be in fellowship, even though we may be still in the relationship, we're still God's child. Uh, but, and, and, and I would, I would caution you, if you can sin with no remorse, with, with no, with no regret, with no uh, uh, consciousness, you better check and see if you really know what salvation really means. Because if I could just sin and go on sinning and, and, and have no remorse, no, no, no regret, no, no, uh, no uh, piercing of my consciousness, I may not really know what it means to be saved. Because the Bible says, whosoever is born of God does not practice or does not commit sin in the case of he. That means, the root word means, does not have a practicing lifestyle of sin. In other words, just wallowing in sin. You know what it means to wallow in something? Just getting down and rolling around in it. Just all in it. But if a man be overtaken the fault, ye which are spiritual, restore that one in the spirit of meekness. Considering thyself, how would you want somebody to come get you? That's the same way you should go get somebody else. So when we get back and we close, impartation. Jesus gave himself away to his disciples, giving all that he had, withholding nothing, not even his own life. How much are you willing to give away to others? How much of yourself are you willing to give away so that others may live a vibrant Christian life? Impart some of you and your giftings into the lives of others so that we can glean from you and we can grow together. Every head bowed, every eye closed.